Let's walk through an example. So we have a customer in, 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 in Florida. They are building a, 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 a community of houses, right? So they are using excavators and trucks to flatten the ground. To do the work, they uh, need, let's say, uh, six trucks for one excavator. And um, right now, three of those trucks are basically sitting on the side of the job site. And the reason is because they don't have any drivers. Very, I mean, that's that's probably one of the biggest pain points in the industry. It's you can't find operators and drivers. Hello, and welcome to the Atomicast. I'm Kirsten Korosek, transportation editor at TechCrunch. And I'm Ed Niedermeyer. I'm the author of Ludicrous, the Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors, and the only member of this podcast currently on the Blue Sky platform. And I'm Alex Roy. I am on the wait list for the Blue Sky platform. I'm also the founder of the Human Driving Association, veteran of Argo AI, whom I never represented on this show, and now a management consultant, but I'm not allowed to shill for my business on the show, so I won't, but I will say this. In all my work since I left Argo AI, I have encountered the same two kinds of people, but worse. People who claim that autonomy will never happen. There will never be autonomous vehicles that, that perform any function, or even if they do, a viable business will never be built around them. And people then who aren't in the business who claim they will arrive next week which is why today's guest is so fantastic. He's one of the few people building a real business. I've been to his office. I've talked to him. I've asked him the hard questions off the show, and now he's come to answer them on the show. Romain Clément, the founder and CEO of Telio. I'm so glad to have you here on the Atonicast. Thanks for having me. Did you like that intro? Was that, was that all right? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, man, did we first meet at Riley Brennan's conference years ago? Is that is that correct? That's very true. The secret conference we're not supposed to talk about. Right. That I'll never be invited to because I'm media. Because <laughs> you're a journalist. And, and, and at but the I'm, time, not, I'm not a journalist and I don't get invited. So at least. Uh, well, that's just because you're not cool now. I'm just kind of a journalist. So prior to founding Telio, what were you doing when we met? Um, so we, so I was already at Telio at the time. Oh, okay. But before doing Telio, I was I was at Lyft. Um, so uh, I had the chance. Uh, so 2017, that was kind of a, a crazy year, a crazy uh, a, a time for self-driving cars, and so I had the chance of starting the self-driving car Lyft self-driving car division in 2017 from uh, from the ground up. Uh, so ended up leading the organization who is designing, manufacturing, and, and launching the cars. Can you talk about that at all, or is that still under, uh, under deep secrecy? I um, sh- sure can talk about uh, <laughs> like to, I mean, fire away. Uh, so I'm curious to know, I mean, how far along was Lyft Level 5? Because the, the, if I recall correctly, the unit was sold to Woven Planet. Is that right? That's correct, but I, I left two years before I got sold to uh, Woven Planet. Yeah. So, I mean, people don't talk about Lyft Level 5 as much as they do ATG because they had <laughs> issues that Lyft did not. But I was always curious to know, like, how much progress was made there? Like, how how confident w- were they that, there was, that Lyft was going to have its own self-driving stack to deploy? Um, I mean, very much so, right? I think starting in 2017, I think, again, that was a different time, right? That was supposed to be a race to the finish at the time. Um, 
uh, and and it was, I think, common agreement, and I think it's still true today that vehicles would be expensive in, at first, or quite expensive at first. That maximizing their utilization would would make sense, and therefore, deploying it on a ride-sharing network was was the right you know steps. And obviously, for in the case of the U.S. market, Lyft it had to be Lyft or Uber. Uh, so I was I had the great opportunity to 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 start that that division from the ground up. I think we. We went really, really fast. That was very exciting. Within six to nine months, we had vehicle deployed in Palo Alto, starting driving, collecting miles, uh, building metric, you know, obviously disengagement per miles and things like this. But after a while, we really, really, really start to plateau on those on the, on those metrics. And it kind of became um, obvious, at least to me and Vinay. Vinay is, 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 my, is my co-founder at Telio. We know each other for 10 years by now that, um, it would probably not ship within the sort of at least a tiny horizon, or at least not at the speed at which we would we would all hope for, right? Or was was hoping for at the time. And this is this is through that that basically emerged the idea of building Telio. You know, when I asked someone about you, one of the things I heard several times was he's one of the few honest men uh, actually working on the technology. <laughs> so well, tell us about it. Hey, no, go ahead, whoa, whoa, whoa. Alex, you're just jumping right in. I want right. to, before we move on, I do want to explore. Sorry, uh, you talked a little bit about the progress, but I'm wondering if you could go back in time and talk about sort of the very beginning of that idea of Lyft even deciding to jump into it. I mean, I know a lot of companies were jumping into it. It was a lot of excitement, uh, a lot of money being um, invested in and resources into um, AV technology. But at Lyft, was it just to compete with Uber or was there some other reasoning or factor behind um, deciding to make that leap into AV development? I mean, simply put, I think it was existential mm-hmm. to lift the only ride-sharing business, right? Um, and and I would still say it is to date, right? Uh, because, um, yeah, the second uh, someone has a... Level four, level four, you know, or good enough level four vehicle, they would start, you know, uh, kind of a ride sharing business. I mean, this is precisely what Cruise is doing. Right. What What were the the areas that kind of you know, or, or the the situations, the problems, the challenges that you know, as as you know, you're going on from from this, you know, ground up, getting things on the road, you know, sort of under the assumption that this is a a, a you know a, a race to a finish line. You know, wh- where were the areas that really started, you know, started to open your eyes to, you know, hey, like maybe maybe we've gotten into this with, uh, you know, with some of our priors not quite in line. It, it, it's just the um, the very very like I guess the the term used in the industry is the long tail of scenarios, right? So that that very 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 long uh, uh, list of things which could happen on the road, right? And, and, and even more so in dense urban environments, right? And I guess you, you'll get a sense for it about how it is drastically different than the construction industry like we're doing it now. Um, but this is one of the key core sort of the aspect of the genesis, genesis of Telio. So that was one and sort of connected to it is the ability for, for the stack, like the software stack to really generalize to that complexity, you know, generalize well and adapt to that complexity. So I would say over the last 10 
plus years, I think the progress on the hardware sensing technology has been phenomenal. The progress in perception has been phenomenal. Tracking is also really, really good. But it's that 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 last end big block, right, of 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 path planning, if you will, which has been really uh, struggling getting getting sort of to to the finish line. And mm-hmm. I just want to, can I just, I'm sorry, just to follow up on this, like the, the, is it, is the problem that you need to be able to, in the, in the RoboTaxi use case, that you need to be able to handle so much stuff to make money, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, what, I mean, what you're doing with construction, I want to get into this more, but you know, you're, you're limiting the complexity of your operating domain, right? Which is sort of what level four generally does versus, versus level five. But, but is it that, in the taxi business specifically, that you can only narrow it down so much before you lose your ability to make money? Is is, is that sort of the relationship where that relationship breaks no, down? I, I, I don't think you can general you can simplify it at all when you're using taxi, robo taxi. You you need you you need to pick up and drop off people pretty much where they want to be picked up and drop off. And it's just can be in very complicated areas, right? And and so why, but but so why you know why was I mean do do you think robo taxis make sense at all as a use case now? Like why why was it sort of the the seen as the use case, and now it sort of it seems like conventional wisdom is shifting to hey, there's you know as you say a lot of a lot of progress in this technology and a lot of places where you can really make money, but robo taxi seems to be falling down that list of 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 places to do that. It sounds like the answer is Telio. <laughs> no, I want to. I want to talk about that, but, but I'm, I'm getting to you know why why you've gone into construction, right? And 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 like at this point, is it do you, do you think it's possible to make money in the robo taxi use case in the for any of the companies that are still pursuing it right now? I I really believe so. I mean, I don't have access to any of their of sort of their their, their metrics right now, and and I haven't been deep into this for the last three three to four years at that point. So I, I really. Th- Think so. I really hope so. Um, uh, and you know, seeing that the trend right now is very encouraging from 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 a technology perspective. On the unit economics, it's really difficult for me now to 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 comment. Right, I just don't have access to to that that degree of details. Um, but I really like the progress right now in the industry. I mean, it's it's every six months. You know, there's there's steps steps are getting are, are getting made. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think we 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 are telling you a bit more, make me pragmatic, and and I think we can we can be out in production a lot sooner. So, can you walk us through your your uh, your history leading up to your uh, time at Lyft, and then the moment that you, you left to start Telio and why? Uh, so, uh, I mean, I can go way back in time. Uh, <laughs> I was born in the month of, no. <laughs> Tell us the entertaining parts. <laughs> the relevant, the relevant parts. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so I mean, I, I started my, my career go way back in 2006. I started at Google. Um, and I basically started on the street view projects. Right. And so I think what was interesting is, uh, uh, um, a couple of months before I joined, I think, um, Larry Sergey and Marisa Mayers took a two-hour trip to from Mountain View to to Napa Valley and recorded uh, uh, some footage from their car and either Ford facing on the side. And on Monday, dropped that dropped that recording to one of my directors and said, "Okay, do something with it." Right, and in a way, like Street View, Street View was born. Um, it was a very long time ago. You know, if you put yourself seventeen years back. 
Um, there's a lot of technology we didn't exist. Uh, two megapixel camera was, was a fairly high resolution camera. Um, there was no cameras in cell phones, right? So we ended up building now the product that everybody knows about, but you know, at the time logging so much data um, and transferring it was, was a very big deal. You know, you're removing disks from cars and they get damaged during shipping and they get lost. And, and you realize many weeks later that you need to, uh, to, to uh, um, uh, uh, redrive again. I mean, we, we figured it out uh, 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 over the years, but that was, that was kind of a, a crazy time where, where the impossible was, was possible. But I, I guess, strangely enough, what's interesting, it's basically during that time that I ended up working with folks. Um, they were a very small team at the time, uh, like, like, like George Hotz, right? Like he was an intern back at Street View, and, and he was like barely 18 and, and, and he just cracked the iPhone six months before, right? Uh, ended up a couple of years later when we started, uh, so Chauffeur, which obviously predate Waymo, that was the code name of, of the project. And, and, you know, meetings of less than 10 people where there was Sebastian Thrun and Anthony Lewandowski and Chris Simpson and, I think Jai Jun, you know, from Neuro joined a couple of couple of months later, right? And it's not in retrospect that it's now, you know, interesting to see that the 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 uh, type of people that ended up working together, interacting together, and and uh, done what what uh, I guess we're, we're we're talking about today, right? In in the general space of of, of autonomy. Um, well, and and really um, over at Chauffeur, the Google Self Driving Project, it's amazing. Like, had that not occurred. Um, like forget about Waymo for a second, but had that not occurred, think of all the companies where people went off, you know, because of very generous bonuses, went off and funded their own startups, Neuro being one, Aurora being another, like there, there are a multitude of them and, and it's almost created the AV ecosystem today. Um, some of these companies don't exist anymore, but, but some do. It's kind of interesting to see like the root of all that started there. No, yes, indeed. I mean, it, it was, it was, um, like I said, like a, a crazy time uh, 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 where we're really part of a, of an ecosystem with, when the, 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 the impossible was a forbidden word. Right. Uh, and anyway, I mean, that, that, that was, that was sort of street view. I've been also involved in a lot of other space projects at Google and so on, but that's, I don't think very relevant to, to the conversation, conversation here. And so then, 2017 uh, left, uh, so we I guess we we talk about it uh, already. But this is during that time that uh, towards the end, Ine and I we matured and, and and start thinking about maybe a more pragmatic way of approaching autonomy and more importantly deploying autonomy uh, now. So why construction? Why not farming? Why not something else? Um, so we, we look very holistically. We look at trucking. We look at food delivery. Uh, we we look at forklifts in warehouses and, and ag. Um, and what, what we what we really liked with um, with construction was that we, there was kind of like three rules that we Vinay and I we built uh, uh, together, and probably one realization. So I think the the first rule was we wanted a simpler environment just to make the technology more viable. 
I th the second one is we wanted to do good, right? We wanted to save lives or at least improve people's lives. Um, and and uh, and the last part, we really wanted to build something people wanted, right? Like it's it's it, it should not be about just the technology demo or research lab, but but really a product, right? That that would improve every day's you know work of, of, of people. And the the realization also was that every self-driving car company has teleoperation built in. Because as good as your tech and your cars are, you are going to need some tele some teleoperation or some human supervision to be able to unstuck or guide that self-driving car, which you know, in 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 where, wherever it is, it is it, it is stuck, right? And so we started thinking, say, wait, wait, so what about sort of taking the converse of kind of flipping the equation, start by building a teleoperation solution and a really good one, and then inject autonomy, right? And inject autonomy and view autonomy as a ratio to sort of the number of machines or piece of equipment to the operator. And if you tackle that problem this way, well, then suddenly... Well, if you're just 50% autonomous, 5-0, right? Now you can have one operator drive drive two machines. And that's an obvious, you know, ROI or return of investment for, for the customers. And that's just a ratio that you can improve over time. Um, and so I think going back to your question about uh, 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 Alex, about agriculture and things like this, we, we, we look at the agriculture sector, but... Um, it's more difficult to build that kind of solutions over there because you're you're you don't necessarily have very good network connectivity, right? You also it's an industry so where you may move a lot, uh, 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 right? So farmers own the land, but very often they will have they will rent services from a fleet of vehicle to go do the work for a week or two, and then that fleet of vehicle moves around. So it's it is quite quite different different uh, uh, space, whereas in the case of mining or in the case of, of quarry, if you will, or or if you're on a concrete plant, right, or asphalt plant, your plant, your quarry is there, doesn't move, and so you can really bring the right infrastructure to have a very good wireless connectivity and those kind of things. So talk to me a little bit about where you are in terms of um progress within the company as far as customers are concerned or are you doing pilots um programs with anyone right now yeah we're, we we're deployed we're deployed and we have been customers uh, uh so uh so we are a three years old company um uh razor series a uh at about a little bit about a year year and a half ago um and so we're maybe talking a little bit about the technology so we are a full in solution so we are uh, building a kit that you can retrofit on the vehicle. We are bringing you a control station, and we're bringing and we're bringing on site a very high reliable mesh network, right? And so this is what we do at at customer sites. Um, and um, I mean, to um, we have multiple uh, 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 customers. Some in California. We made some announcements, Florida, and also and, and also Canada. Um, always around the same theme of every machine in that industry is digging, driving, and dumping, 
and we automate the middle part, which is driving. So what exactly is the product that your customers are buying or licensing? How does that work? So let's walk through an example. So we have a customer in, 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 in Florida. They are building a, 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 a community of houses, right? So they are using excavators and trucks to flatten the ground. To do the work, they uh, need, let's say, uh, six trucks for one excavator. And um, right now, three of those trucks are basically sitting on the side of the job site. And the reason is because they don't have any drivers. That's very, I mean, that's, that's probably one of the biggest pain points in the industry. It's you can't find operators and drivers. Um, and so here with our solution, we retrofit their entire fleet of trucks. We're bringing three control station on this site, or it could be actually several dozen miles away from that site. And now every operator can have between one, two, three, four trucks under their supervisions. Um, so the, I would say, uh, um, so the, the solution that we're building is we're calling it supervised autonomy. And it's so basically the blend between teleoperation and autonomy. So, the delicate, I would say, aspect of, of the job in that case, which could be approaching the excavator to be loaded or dumping in a specific location, is done in teleoperation. And then the middle of that, that cycle, if you will, which is between your truck being loaded to dumping uh, 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 or to going to the dump location, which is that driving part, which is called tramming, is done in autonomy. And so, and you repeat that cycle over and over again. And so that's really fundamentally the product we're building. This is transferable to any other type of construction equipment. Could be wheel loaders, could be um, um, dozers, all of those. Where are you seeing, um, in terms of, since you have paying customers, is there one um, vehicle type that seems to be the most popular for whatever reason? It's like the... Maybe the easiest application. I don't know if that's the right way to ask it, but where are you seeing the most demand? I guess um, for the product that you're offering, in terms of like the vehicle type, construction vehicle type. So we're mostly focusing on quarries or whether vertical industry, which is called aggregates. Um, uh, so in that space, wheel loaders, trucks. Um, excavators and sometimes dozers is like the most common piece of equipment. Um, but what's also very interesting to start to notice is like we're, we're really viewing ourselves as a technology provider and we start seeing some interest in, in many other verticals. I mean, the fact is that um, construction equipment are used in many, many different verticals than, than construction, right? So snow plowing companies, um, uh, or even any facility or chemical plants which are moving 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 uh, materials are uh, also you know becoming uh, 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 interested uh, uh, with with our, with our technology. But um, yeah, mostly those three as I said, I would say trucks, uh, wheel loaders, dozers are, are, are the most common. Since, since you mentioned snow, you know snow, <laughs> I have to ask. I mean, you know, are you seeing, especially in the early days, you know, whether for technical or economic reasons, uh, sort of geographical sort of uh, uh, you know centers of demand or, or places that you're targeting? Um, maybe because of, of again, like you know, labor shortages being being worse in, in certain places. Maybe I, I don't know. It, 
Is that a factor? Uh, yes, labor shortage. I mean, same thing. I think this is a very much recurring theme uh, 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 in, in, in the industry in general, right? Um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the life of, of operators is, is rough. Uh, I, I think that uh, uh, you may have to wake up very early and drive for an hour, an hour, an hour, an hour and a half, one way to go to your job sites. Um, um, I think everybody think about sort of the, the, the hazardous in the, in the most dramatic fashion, obviously, because you're, it, those are very powerful machines and, and it can be very dangerous. But there's a very, I would say, uh, maybe long tail of, of health issues due to extended exposure, right, to operating those machines. It's like the degree of vibration is incredibly high. In, and, and even if you're sitting in a brand new one, one and a half, two million dollar machines, it's like it's, it's, it's still it's still extremely rough today. Earring is also obviously another one. Um, um, uh, 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 I mean, uh, respiratory, you know, long term res- res- respiratory disease could be yet again another one with a, with, with a dust. And, and this is obviously yet again where technology helps right because we're we're removing people from the cab and now they're they're sitting in a very comfortable settings uh in with with a c in 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 an office uh, you know setup basically yeah i wanted to ask about that um so is this a uh, in terms of a human driver is it a one-to-one replacement meaning there aren't necessarily jobs lost they're just directly moving into into that supervisory role? Or can one person supervise number of vehicles on a job site? Yes. So one one individual can supervise multiple machines. But but fundamentally, we genuinely believe that our technology will increase the number of jobs in that industry because of the reason that I just mentioned, right, which is because it makes it more accessible. Um, uh, 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 because it's it, it, because you're less exposed, right? Um, that the in, the construction industry in general has been struggling for the last ten years to hire. Basically, nobody wants to do that job anymore. And this is not in the U.S. This is a problem worldwide. We we even had people in Europe in the Emirates reaching out for that kind of technology. Um, but 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 the the. I guess another aspect also is because we are removing individual from the vehicle. And by the way, coming up and down those 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 vehicles is very dangerous. Is very typically the number one or two cause of of, of accidents. Um, we can we can we make it more accessible, right? We make it operating those vehicles more accessible, and and we could even envision that you know someone who would be disabled, um, we could repurpose that control station to make them as effective as if they were sitting and operating that machine. So it's really a multi-scale uh, uh, impact that we have here from from an accessibility uh, um, uh, standpoint. I mean, I, I think one thing I also wanted to mention is it's assumed that more or less in the coming 10 years, about 50%, so five zero of the labor force, of operator labor force, will basically go into retirement. So it's just going to get worse. It's really bad today, and it's just going to get worse. So what is the uh, procedure for retrofitting the Telio hardware and software package to a vehicle? Is it permanent? How do you maintain it? What's the cost and time? Yeah, so we built 
from um, from the ground up a truly OEM agnostic solution. So we can install, we can retrofit any vehicle from any uh, any OEMs of any any model, and there's a lot of different kind of machine and construction and equipment and equipment and of any vintage. So that's the first part. That's the retrofit kit. That's the that's the the hardware, if, we, if you will, that we are installing on the vehicle with the suites of sensors. Then the second part is what we're calling the control station, right? So that's that's a, like a cockpit. It has the exact same look and feel as if you were sitting in the machine. Um, and, um, and the sort of exact same yeah, joysticks and pedals, right, to, to, to operate the vehicle. And the last piece is... Um, is is the high speed, uh, uh, low latency, very uh, high reliability mesh network that we that we install on site. So that's that's for the tech part. So from a, so, so from a business, right? We're, we're technology provider. So it's we're selling to a general contractor. It's their machine, their operator, and obviously their site. So the maintenance of the I mean, it's a construction site, so stuff gets banged around. Yep. Uh, you have a remote. You have a customer. They're very remote. They're in Florida. Yep. Something hardware fails. How do you support that? Yes, I'm very glad you're asking that question. So, w- one of the key pieces also of what we set up in the last couple of months at Telio is a global um, dealer network. Right. So we have a partnership with dealers, which in basically all in North America, Europe, uh, uh, and, and Oceania, who are extremely experienced at deploying third-party technology for the construction industry. And so basically, they help us on the selling front, but they also uh, are directly involved in the installation on the vehicles and obviously of the support of the vehicle. And so I think this is also one of the key pillars of, of, of Telio is to, all, to have that global footprint and technology, technology footprint of people on the ground who also have extremely deep relationship with, with the customers for very, you know, most of the time for decades, right? So that's how we're structured. Um, I want to, are you done, Alex, or do you have a follow-up? Okay. I'm never done. Uh, I'm I wanna, never done. <laughs> but go on. I want to go a little bit to adjacent um, area which is mining um, because, you know, Caterpillar and, and other companies adopted AV technology actually really early on. And I'm wondering, um, I've always been curious about the development of that and if it's kept a pace with um, what the rest of the startup community has been working on in terms of autonomous vehicle technology. So what is your view? I mean, is the mining industry um, using a lot of or uh, applying autonomous vehicle technology like early days when Caterpillar? And is this something that you would also get involved in since it is sort of like heavy equipment? So um, we're really co- focused on construction and within construction, I would say the aggregate world. So, um, you know, mining is it's yet another very big, big, big vertical uh, uh, with its sort of its own very specific uh, rule or, or, or scale, if you will. Um, so we're, we're we're not really approaching much that 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 industry that industry at the moment. Um, uh, of course, as you know, that 
mining or autonomy in mining has been really big for probably now the better a better decade or so. Um, from from I, I can't really comment about that 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 technology at the moment. Uh, I mean, if I was just looking at sort of sensor suites that I've seen at certain uh, uh, events, um, they they're their sensor technology that we've, we've seen for, for several years now. Um, but like, I can't really comment about how much their stack would have been, would have been progress in being, being inspired by, by, by self-driving cars. We're pretty much obviously on our side, uh, really leveraging as much as possible what has been done in self-driving, obviously. I'm curious about, um, about your customers and just, you know, I think one of the fascinating phenomena of this whole sort of driving automation, uh, you know, sort of blossoming is, is just, uh, you know, sometimes what the consumer specifically, I think in consumer use cases, how they imagine how automation might change their lives, you know, and, and the reality of how it's going to change their lives. Oftentimes there's a disconnect there. And I think, you know, as we explore the, the B the B2B market, there's some of that as well. I'm curious, since you focus on construction, with without speaking to any any specific names or anything, just broadly, you know, how sophisticated are the customers there? How well developed is the market? How much education do you and 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 you know, you mentioned your sort of uh, partners on the sales side, are they having to do? Like, are are people coming and saying, you know, we we want to see what automation can do for us. Are they saying we've identified a specific problem that we know can be solved by uh, automation? What, what's that? What's that conversation? That relationship like? Um, it, it, it's really phenomenal, right? I, I think so. So um, three years ago, when when we started Telio, we we spent a, we didn't know anything about construction sites, right? So we spent a lot of time knocking on people's door and just to try to understand the space and kind of the problem, the type of problem that people people were were, were dealing with in that specific vertical that construction is, right? And 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 of course already at the time, well, there were self-driving cars somewhere, right? In in San Francisco and a couple of 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 of, of cities in, in, in the US. So but but they were not able to bridge that gap, right? And and uh, we're just coming up um, a show that we had last last month in Las Vegas called Conexpo. I, I tend to call it like the CES of construction. It happens every three years. So a really really big show in Las Vegas, same same location, if you will, than CES. Um, and and the traction has been phenomenal, right? Uh, what, what's what's happening is people really get it, and they really get. What, like that supervised autonomy concept, right? They they know, and rightly so, that you, the type of tasks which sometimes require a lot of precision and a lot of touch in construction will take a very long time for, for autonomous robot to do. And so that blend of, of, of having and keeping a, a, an individual in the loop, which, by the way, is an extremely skilled operator for the touchy work, but but not you know consuming his time for the most boring piece of it or simple things of it is 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 actually is actually critical. So we've had a lot of inbound customers saying we've been waiting for you. I've we've been looking for you for years because you have a very gradual, pragmatic approach to 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 autonomy because you giving me control, you know, I still have control of the operation of my, of my site or my plant. And lastly, because you're the only player who has a, 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 an agnostic solution 
because all of the, I mean, the majority of general contractor will have mixed fleets, like three, four, five different OEMs, literally, right? With machine of, of brand new machine all the way to machines, which might be 15 or 20 years old. And by the way, the 20 years old machine is still running eight hours a day, putting 2000 hours or 4,000 hours a year. Uh, so it's, it's, it's clearly, you know, B2B high utilization uh, uh, world, right? So um, it's, it's, it's now, it's happening now and, and people want it um, and people get it. So people want it and people get it. Um, so does that mean that every company, I mean, I kind of know the answer to this question, but I want to hear your take on it. <laughs> that, that all the startups that were once working on, you know, maybe applications for robo taxes and stuff, that they have all pivoted and they're all jumping into construction. Like what's the competitive landscape look like? Um, because as you mentioned right from the beginning, you have paying customers and that's, um, you know, that's pretty uh, interesting for any company and compelling, I should say, for any company that would like to, you know, make some money as opposed to constantly going back to VCs and raising money. Um, so, so what does the competition look like? So we, so we see almost two, 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 two adjacent, I would say, uh, 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 competition. So one would be pure teleoperation, um, and that has been used for quite some, some maybe a decade or so, but for very specific undermining, uh, I'm sorry, underground mining application, those kind of things. Um, uh, but I haven't seen anything where, you know, you have the ability to instantaneously switch from one machine to the other, which is also one of the, the very powerful things that we, we, that we, that we have. I mean, it's literally instantaneous your ability to toggle between many, many different machines. I think on the other end of the spectrum, we see a lot of company or some, some startups doing very high degree of autonomy. Uh, but the, 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 the concern we have when we started Teleo is, as we all know, right, is to, to get to a highly autonomous system, you're going to have to simplify the environment drastically or you're going to have to really um, uh, shrink even the task or the type of task that you're doing and, and and to just to get to something which is you know has a high enough autonomy degree that it can that it could actually be used the problem is as you keep shrinking this now your your addressable market if you will is is, is getting very narrow um, and so here we go, we go broad, right? We go broad with human because, because human are very critical to that operation and, and, and we can go broad from, from the get go. So is demand for semi-autonomous construction vehicles, is it global? Are there certain markets that where it's vastly more than an, another? No, it's completely global. It's, that's the beauty of construction. You know, construction is, is, is the, couple of percent of the GDP of any countries, the, the machine types are basically the same everywhere. And, you know, everybody's dumping this, I mean, digging the same way, moving dirt the same way and dumping the same way. So it's, it's very, very transferable uh, 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 tech and, and even the workflow are very similar. All, what all about the, what about the training and uh, hardware necessary for a remote supervisor? So if you go to the Middle East or you go to Africa, uh, are, is that, a, is that a, the same challenge as in the United States? 
Um, I mean, from, from a training perspective, I think it's the same thing. I mean, we're talking about the same type of machine, same inputs and, and the same uh, uh, type of work. So um, it, it's really a question of, of, of even how good the, the, the current operators are in those, in those given countries. Um, uh, there's always like a sort of a supply chain uh, 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 aspect of things if you're in a very, very remote uh, uh, location in a given country. But this is where our, our, our network of dealers is very helpful, right? Like they, they know very well uh, what it takes to support, let's say, uh, a mine in, in Western Australia, right? And, and what, what it entails. So if there's, if there's a shortage of actual operators, then it would, I'm guessing that there's a shortage of people who act, who could operate remotely as well. So you have to train people from scratch. So yes. So we have training material, you know, tra- training uh, classes to get, to get people uh, 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 used to, to that type of technology. And it's a, it's it's a gradual gradual step, starting from the most smallest machines at first, which is kind of the easiest one to handle, and going going to bigger ones. Uh, even today, when we're we're working, I mean, just to give you an idea of the scale, right? Certain of those machines are like one hundred and eighty thousand pounds. I mean, it's it's heavier than an Abrams tank, right? Um, so so uh, uh, though those only get driven by extremely skilled operators. Right. So if you were to hire and train people who've never operated before, you would never put them on such a large piece of equipment. At first, you would train them on like easier tasks, smaller machines. But I, I mean, I think that's one of the things also which really uh, striked us when we when we when we started Telio and started to sort of show that uh, put that product in the hands of customers is uh, a train operators of a skid steer was literally, literally taking sub 10 minutes to get used to our system and basically operate at, at normal productivity speed. It was, it was, and we witnessed this multiple times and it was just phenomenal to, 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 to see. So in every automation business, right, you, you say, you know, give us a, a CapEx, spend CapEx and we reduce your OpEx, right? We, you Make a capital investment in your business, and we will reduce your operating expenses or uh, expenditures. So, like, what, what kind of you know? How, how do you how do you pitch your your customers? I know you don't work on the sales end specifically, but but what kind of returns can can people expect from from this kind of automation? Is it mostly in reduced operating costs? Is it doing more with the same number of people? Sort of how are you how are you pitching the the, the benefits of this? Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it really depends on the use case, but I think you're 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 naming them quite a lot, right? Like if you're a general contractor and you have a lot of piece of equipment you can't use because you don't have operators, you're actually losing a lot of money. I mean, those machines are not cheap to buy, to pay the lease, or even to rent, right? So that's that's the number one thing is like they they could they can do more business with our technology fundamentally while while keeping their operators and I would say making the operator much more valuable because you 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 make them operate on multiple machines but you also make sure that they're only in in teleoperation mode if you will on the most uh, uh, um, cost effective part of the job of the business right um there's all the cases where um there's a lot of situation if you're running plants again concrete asphalt plant and things like this where you 
you always have a machine on standby, right? So they're waiting for a truck to pass to, to for a customer truck to get to the to to the quarry, and then you need to load that truck very rapidly. The reality of it is, this is very bursty. So you might be very busy, but then for a good chunk of the day or a good chunk even of the season, you might have one or two trucks a day, and you still have someone in that machine kind of on standby or who needs to drive back and forth on both sides of the plant to just serve that customer. With semi-operation, you just can you just log it into the machine, fire it up, use it for the five minutes it takes to load that truck, and then put it back on, and then you have you can start visualize maybe now like where where you turn. Uh, a plant into like an air traffic control room where you have all of your operator in the same location who are just jumping from one machine to the other and you just, you know, optimize so much more the flow and also the communication, right? Because now everybody's in the same room and, and the overall coordination of that. So it's, it's very powerful. Yeah. A, a utilization game, just like so many other forms of automation. That's really interesting. Uh, there's been a lot of, in the recent weeks, because of the, hype around large language models, there's been a sudden spike in the like binary conversations. AI is terrible. AI is amazing. It's going to change everything. Everything is going to change. Um, and the usual things. It's going to be awesome. It's going to suck. Uh, have you seen any fallout or um, from this around autonomy applied to your vertical at all? Um. Or let me rephrase this: Has the has the um, narrative about uh, robo taxis not not being a viable business has that fallen out to affect you at all? Are you asked that by investors by anyone? No, I think if anything, it's the opposite. I think that everybody is very receptive to the practicality and pro- sort of the, the pragmatism of our approach, if you will, right? And and how um, that gradual approach towards autonomy. Is 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 probably the way to go, um, and what well, is the way to go? Uh, if anything, we have we have evidence of that traction now uh, of era. So I, it's I think it's uh, yeah, it's quite the opposite, right? I think if if, if, if and so having technology deployed right in the hands of customer getting used every day is a tremendous feedback about about the state the state of your product and and and. Uh, and and that is the basically that's the right way to go. Right. Interesting. I think that that is the perfect way to end. Um, thank you so much, Ram, for coming on and telling us about your business, but also weighing in on some of your early days at Lyft and um, thoughts about the future of the industry. And as always, thank you to our audience for listening to another episode of the Autonicast. 